point do you realise you might not be able to get pregnant? It didn't cross my mind. I just assumed I could. But what if you can't? What if the reason that you can't is because of you? This episode might just have the answers that you are looking for. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. During this podcast series, I will be interviewing six awesome women who will be sharing with us their mum stories. My guest today is Hill Chris. Thanks for joining me today, Hills. So, the question is, who is Hills Chris? Dun, dun, dun. Uh, an interesting question. I'm, I'm lots of different things. I'm a mum, possibly. I'm a sister, a daughter, a business owner, a coach, a partner, a friend. All the things, like most of us, I think, you know, we're lots and lots of different things. Um, personally, I'm all about alignment and authenticity in life and in my business. Um, I've been on a huge personal growth journey, um, more intensely the last sort of 13 or so years, but really for a long, long time, probably my whole life. Um, and yeah, including the growth that comes from starting and having a business and becoming a mum, because wow, that's been a ride and still is a ride. <laughs> so. Did you always know then that you wanted to be a mum? I did. Yeah, I always, yeah, I just always wanted to be a mum. It just felt normal, natural. And yeah, I was quite, I've always been pretty close to my mum, who's incredible, although doesn't believe in herself and wouldn't say that she's incredible at all. Um, but I just knew, I think, I just always wanted to somehow believe that I always would be, although I did cut it very fine. Um, and uh, yeah, I just always wanted to be a mum, always wanted to be a mum, yeah. So in your words, you said you cut it a little fine. What got you to that stage of being a mum? What do you mean? Like, what was the journey? Yeah. Um, it was quite a long, it was quite a long journey. I think I never really had a partner that I wanted to do it with I didn't I didn't meet my one until sort of quite late and then um yeah I was 41 when I met my partner Ralph and we knew we wanted to be together we tried started trying for a baby fairly well I don't know after a year or something um nothing happened for a long time um and then you know I was maybe 43 I guess and we went to a clinic had a little look about our fertility he was absolutely fine men um mine was basically the prognosis was your ovarian reserve is extremely low um these are the options it's like you could do IVF with your own eggs but the chance of that working is about five percent uh if you use donor eggs then the chance is more like 50 percent and maybe up to about 60 percent um particularly when using acupuncture with it as well um and so yeah you know it was a bit of a journey to make that decision but actually it wasn't it wasn't like a huge it didn't feel like a really huge decision it wasn't like oh shall we do our own eggs shall we not for me it was like five percent like that's just a no right that's the, the odds odds of that working are just stacked too high against us and um so yeah it was a bit of a journey to come to terms with it but 
um, yeah, it was very clear. It was just like, okay, well, if that's what we need to do, then that's what we'll do. So we chose an egg donor who sounds lovely. I, we, we had a bit of information about her and she wrote a personal letter about herself and just makes me cry if ever I read it because she sounds very much like me and she was the obvious choice when we sort of had to narrow it down. Um, so yeah, I got pregnant at 44, had quite a difficult pregnancy. Um, and yeah, and then yeah, I had a baby at 45. So as I said, just cutting it pretty fine. Um, yeah, our little miracle came along when I was 45. And uh, and then, yeah, I think I was already in perimenopause, but kind of hit perimenopause straight after that, really. Uh, although I didn't really realise for a while because I was so tired. I had a baby that didn't really seem to like sleeping at all. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, and so it's been, it, it definitely has been, quite a journey but um yeah I wouldn't change him for the world he's he's an utter just yeah just delicious and lovely uh most of the time and um yeah he's sort of three and three quarters now so yeah it's been a little while of um being a mum so you have gone through quite a bit more more than the average person from both an emotional point of view a physical point of view and having to go through those different I was going to say events to get you to where you are today yeah absolutely yeah it was definitely uh you know not what we expect not what I expected um but in the end you know time was running out so then yeah it's all just been a miracle and and, and you know we're so glad we were able to do it really so yeah it's lovely and it is a case, isn't it, that we all assume, because why would we assume any differently, that we can have a baby, that's it, full stop. We don't sort of think around what that means. We just go, right, well, when I want a baby, I'll just be able to get pregnant and that's yeah. going to be fine. I mean, I think for me, I, you know, I did at times consider doing it on my own, Um but I don't have family nearby. My parents live in France and I'm in England, the UK. And, um, you know, I did think about it at, at times, not very seriously. I think I realised that that would just be a little bit insane. Um, I do know friends that have done it um, on their own by choice with donor um, eggs and sperm and things like that. Um, it, it didn't ever feel right for me. But then I never met someone that it felt right to have a baby with when it wasn't a very solid relationship so that was a key thing that I wanted a family not just a bit you know not just a baby if that makes sense and of course we don't just have babies do we we have humans that grow into people they're not they don't stay babies like do you know what I mean like people go oh I want to have a baby and you're like yeah but do you realize that there's like that's a lifelong commitment that's not just like oh a nice cuddly baby it's like mm, yeah there's more than that I, I love I love your terminology. It's a lifelong commitment. Oh boy, is it a lifelong commitment? It is, though, isn't it? <laughs> so, it, but people focus on the having a baby bit, but it's like actually, it's it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. And I think everything that's around us, education-wise, to start with, when we're thinking about becoming pregnant, is very heavily biased towards getting pregnant and giving birth and as and it's as if unless you go looking for it then the next bit is not there it's like you just deal with that bit 
yeah. when you're in it. Yeah, like it's just going to come naturally. And it does and it kind of doesn't, right? Like it kind of does come naturally, but it also, you know, especially like the like at the moment, like three and a half, pushing the boundaries and, you know, all these challenges. And it's like, where's the manual? Who tells you how to do this? Like, you know, it's a minefield. Um, yeah, it's not easy. So, so let me take you back and you said how um, you made the decision to have a donor egg. If you were to give someone else advice who is in a similar situation for you and, you know, they're umin and are and over, well, which way do we go? What would you say to that person? I mean, I would always say it's completely unique. You know, you have to feel into what's right for you. But I do think if if that's the best option like it's interesting because through um having a baby with uh through using a donor egg there's a wonderful charity which i'd love to shout out it's just called the donor conception network the dcn um and they support people to make the decision they support people with um what goes on afterwards so how do you tell your child at different ages and they're all sorts of things and they support families and stuff and we found that supportive in making our decision because there was lots of case studies and stories. Um, and so, yeah, I'm in a WhatsApp group with other women that had a baby through egg donation in that year. So there's maybe about 20 of us, something. And a lot of the time, you know, other people pop in and they're just like, I just want some advice. I just want to know, like, is it the right thing to do? Or how am I going to feel? Am I going to still love the child? And and it's like, I think it is different when you, when you grow the baby in your tummy right it's like he's never not felt like my child because I grew him yeah. and from an epigenetics perspective this is something that for some people might blow their mind but you know we think genetics are kind of black and white there's the genes and and you know you get the genetics from both your parents but actually when um genes are expressed or not expressed depending on the environment that they are in not just in the womb but it, you know your environment in your life but in in the womb when you have a donor egg I've had my body has had an effect on the genetics of my son so if my partner and the egg donor had had you know had a relationship and had a baby together he wouldn't be the same child because his some of his genetics have been switched on because of my environment so because I grew him in my tummy and I carried him and gave birth to him and all of that it's, he's never not felt like mine and I it's not even something that I really think about very much actually um so yeah if somebody was like shall I do it you know is it going to be and it's like you will just love them he will be he or she will be yours and you will love them and apart from now and again there might be a conversation about something or there might be a you know, at some point, you know, when he starts school, we'll, we'll probably tell the school because when they do, when they do family trees and genetics and things like that, it's like we've always been open with him. We've always told him, not that we've particularly told him for a long time, but we've got a storybook that kind of explains it and things like that. And it's like we we want to be open with him, but at some point he's going to have questions and things like that. So it's yeah, we're we're going to need to be prepared for that but um but yeah I wouldn't change him for the world like you know as you wouldn't as you would not right no matter how they came about so so yeah I think if if people are thinking about doing it and feeling any trepidation about the bond I personally 
I don't it hasn't had an effect and from what I hear from other people it, it just you know you just get on with daily life and they're yours and you know it's no different and I think and obviously I'm from this point of view I'm not talking from experience but there's the difference between you being I don't know the the maternal mother because the cell is yours versus being mummy who has raised the child it's that I think there's a difference I don't know yeah maybe there is I mean I, I know people who've adopted um a long a long time ago I worked with someone who uh, they adopted two children and she said you know that they were always open with their children and they said I'm mummy from the heart and you've got mummy from the tummy you know or something you know I can't remember her exact words you know you've got tummy mummy is this other person that they, I don't think they knew and yeah. you're like my heart and it's like yeah of course you can have more than mummy you can have more than one parent you know it's it's terminology and it's about how he feels really like I will always be his mummy but I, I do think terminology is an interesting one because some people get it wrong right and it can be quite hurtful but they can be like oh but then if you're not who's his real mum and things like that and you're like well, I'm his real mum um there is no other mum there yeah. is donor and that's it and that's that's how we refer to her and absolutely she's part of him and some of his you know his genetics come from that but she's not his mum she's not his mum in any shape or form but that's a a language thing and a terminology thing that you know that feels comfortable for us really is that she's an egg donor and that's just part of the picture but she's not his mum she's not his mother no you you clearly are exactly I am <laughs> and I and I love the like the openness and I and having looked at like my childhood where and and I think it's a very generational thing there were certain topics that you just don't talk about and I think that's that it is a generational thing as far as I'm concerned whereas now with our kids and looking at um what we want them what we want for them and how we would like them to grow up to become these wonderful adults. Communication and being open and honest is really, really important because it influences them. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and and studies have shown, particularly around adoption, because obviously egg and sperm donation is is much more recent. I mean, not that recent, but, you know, a lot of things around adoption have shown it's more hurtful if they find out later than if they've just always known, mm-hmm. right? Because then it's just like, well, I just know I'm adopted, and you know, it's fine. Um, so I think it's similar with with egg and sperm donor kids or donor donor conceived children. Is that it's just better if they know from the start because they'll they'll find out at some point probably anyway. Like, come on, and um, and it, it, yeah, they're better to know, and then they just take it in their stride, and then when they have questions at different ages you know that that'll be thing you know bridges that we have to cross um but yeah you know we yeah and we hang out with other families through through the charity we hang out with other families that have children through donor conception so he's got friends who are also egg donor conceived so we, we want him to grow up feeling that that's actually really normal mm. and not <laughs> right and, and, yeah choice you know we we chose to be part of that and to have that as part of our you know our friendships and things like that and so that it can just be talked about more openly 
because there's no shame in it right and that's often we don't talk about things because there's shame but there I don't feel ashamed and nor should he and if we come with that energy then that's what he'll that's how he'll be about it yeah yeah oh I love that that's it it's nice that we're in this era let's call it where people are a lot more open and and families are very very different and like you said everybody is unique everybody's situation is unique and having those conversations early on and being open and honest and you know just talking about them and this is going to sound really weird as if they're normal I mean we shouldn't be going they're normal it is what it is there, there shouldn't be a differentiation that's what I'm trying to say then people will feel more relaxed about having the conversation rather than going oh I just got to be careful just in case you know I upset that person because I haven't used the right terminology or I'm not sure and do you know what I mean and it starts to feel a bit awkward yeah so I'm going to fast forward a little bit now you've had this wonderful bundle of joy and you're navigating being a new mum and then hills and obviously you and I had a little bit of a conversation you not only are you managing raising a wonderful boy you also need to navigate the I'm going to say turbulence you can correct me of perimenopause indeed how has that been probably one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do been faced with I don't know what to how to say that yeah having having a toddler and being in perimenopause is is has been very challenging um it still is I feel like I may be sort of moving through it a little bit um but yeah you know perimenopause is a call for deep self-care quiet like there's a lot of sensitivity around noise and and things like that so needing lots and lots of quiet, lots of me time, lots of space. And of course, having a two, three, nearly four year old, I get the, the opposite of that. Right. So it's like hitting up against what I really need. So that has been it has it has definitely been really, really tough. Um, but, you know, my yeah, I've I've learned a lot about what I do need and tuning into myself and and just um researching about perimenopause and menopause and getting support where I can and then being able to talk to my partner about what it is that I need um and he supports me because he knows that if I'm not supported then I'm a, not as nice a mum right so it's like it helps the whole family I think if the mum is supported because if she's the one that's struggling if she's the one at rock bottom with no energy no resources etc then the kids are going to get it like the partner's going to get it and everyone's going to be miserable so I just think yeah the the mum generally the mother is usually the 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 kind of head of the family really in that way or at least emotionally and you know with all of the practical stuff with the kids so um yeah it's been quite a journey but not doing too bad now I think I feel like I'm sort of coming out the other side of that and what do you think has helped you to do that to sort of try and be level-headed and find that balance whilst you've been going through it to be very very strict and boundaried with needing my time to me 
so generally in our weekend um I'll, I'll get like half a day for me and my partner gets half a day for him and then the rest of the time is more family or home or you know mixture um and I really have to kind of protect that because it can get eroded quite easily um so yeah it's that that kind of is enough for me and then I have my work days when he's at nursery and I can weave in a little bit more kind of self-care and things kind of within that um because I'm lucky enough to work from home I work for myself so I've got that flexibility um but definitely you know I, I usually have Sunday morning and that's I hide away upstairs they usually go out and then I can, you know, I can just do whatever it is that I want to do, whether that's I might do some journaling, I might do some personal growth, some energy clearing or a meditation or a yoga nidra. Um, so, yeah, definitely rest and resourcing in whatever way kind of that looks, because I think we're all very individual when it comes to what we need to feel resourced and to feel rested. Um, so, yeah, and just making sure I get good sleep which at the moment means taking melatonin, which I don't think is a bad thing. But um, that's the only thing that it gets me, yeah, gets me a good night's sleep sort of every night. Um, because I think I think we all know if you don't get a good night's sleep, it just affects everything, um, particularly mood, tolerance, patience, like all the things you need right, with a young child. So um, definitely sleep and just being feeling more resourced. Do you know what? It's funny how I remember reading something or hearing something and somebody said you know you could you can always catch up on your sleep and I was thinking uh no if you haven't slept you haven't slept and it, it you're right it is so important and we know it's important yet usually that's one of the first things that will go it's all right I'll 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 sleep better tonight or the next night or yeah it's definitely something to prioritize yeah yeah and and rest not necessarily being sleep mm -hmm. I think rest is is maybe going more slowly or just taking those micro moments or you know going out for a walk or having a mindful cup of tea or just just pausing before rushing into the next thing because I'm definitely a, a you know can be quite a doer and uh, rushing into the next thing the next thing the next thing and and the default the conditioning is I rest once everything's done but of course you know when is everything done apart from anything and actually what I've learned through the perimenopause journey is how important it is to re rest first and be resourced first and then I can get everything done and trusting that I can I can get it all done when I've when I'm feeling resourced so yeah and I definitely. think that just sorry Kills, it just adds extra weight to the fact that we need to recharge our batteries absolutely you know and I think I do think men are a bit different you know they've got different hormones going on and I think the testosterone gives them a bit more stamina and drive and just that constant and constant that access to constant energy but women are much more cyclical we're much more you know we ebb and flow a lot more um and yet we live in a world that is very on all the time masculine you know testosterone fueled world and it doesn't really work for us women so it's a real like you know revolution to to look after ourselves and to come away from that craziness and to be like actually this isn't this is what I need right now and to um pace ourselves I mean yeah. very much so and it's something that we can take not just sort of a perimenopause phase or 
first time mum phase it's something that we need to be aware of and naturally build into our the way we live from the moment we start going through puberty because it's not like something that happens and then goes away it's lifelong yeah yeah you know I wish like my mum wasn't educated about periods I mean obviously you know she had them but not about the cyclical nature of it and and how actually we do need to rest and slow down in that winter phase when we're bleeding um and you know if if I'd had a daughter that's definitely something that I would want to um bring in and invite in and educate about and you know yeah I think there's lots of things that we're learning more about different rites of passage you know whether that's having a a menarche ceremony when when we start our menstruation you know honoring the menopause like in in the next month in a couple of weeks that'll be a year since my last bleed so I'll be menopausal for a day and then I'll be postmenopausal, which is ridiculous but I'm going to do something to honor that not probably on the day because we're moving house literally the day before I think it is so but at some point in the next sort of few months I want to go into the woods and just do some kind of ritual or something maybe with some friends maybe on my own maybe both just to honor that transition that that shift um because it's something we don't really do in our society and I think it's very important to do um and there's when we look at different cultures and the way other cultures view um different ways of the different ways that we develop Mm. there is more ceremony and celebration and wonderment as opposed to there's there's a lady who I interviewed on the podcast called Alison Theaker and she and she's a um she helps women going through perimenopause menopause and postmenopause and um she said you know the traditional man's view of menopause is when women become really boring and ugly and words to that effect I'm not I can't remember exactly what she said and I was thinking you know if our culture is viewing women as becoming like grumpy and unattractive and so on once we get over the hump no wonder as women we take on the burden of well we're going to be boring and grumpy and nobody's going to want to be in our presence but the thing is the the best thing about menopause is the grumpiness not the grumpiness but the best thing is it's a call to really know yourself to set the boundaries that you've probably haven't been setting because you've just been giving and you know being mumming and and whatever to actually go no <laughs> to actually start saying no but the world sees that as grumpiness but it's not it's just a nope this is a boundary and I don't give her anymore. And this is it. This is what, you know, this is, this is going to, I'm going to honor myself. And it, and it usually comes to it because we're exhausted, but actually what an amazing like transition to get to that point where we just go, you know, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. These are, this is the rules that I live by. That's it. Right. And it's like, we're just, we come into our power, I think quite massively through that transition as well um but you're right other cultures honor menopausal women in a completely different way they really honor it as you know moving into that more wise archetype um you know and and honored a lot lot more than we do here um 
but yeah, the men just care about, you know, women being horny in their fertile years. And when we're not horny, then they don't want to know. But actually, like, we're the, we're the leaders as well. And, you know, we've got a lot to offer. So I think, I think, the, I think it's changing. Um, but the education around menopause needs to be wider so that not just women know it's coming. Like, I didn't even know it was coming. I mean, you know, I kind of heard about menopause. I'd never heard about perimenopause, um, you know, until it was here. And I was like, why am I having such a hard time? You know, Um, so I think, you know, there is a lot more being talked about it all. And for us as women, as well as for men, um, because if they actually understand it, they can be a bit more empathetic and understanding about it um, rather than googling what how do I get my wife to want sex again right which is like that's what happened with us he was like I'm googling all this stuff and you know like and I'm going ah (laughs) like this is my nature stop stop making my nature wrong this is this is what I'm meant to be doing at this time in my life and you're just gonna have to deal with it sort of thing but he educated himself so it was um yeah but it's been a journey for us in, in our relationship as well for sure and it's it's a when you're when there's two parents raising a child, it's got to be like that though, hasn't it? Yeah. It's, it's it's a it's a hand 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 by hand um, thing that you've got to look at because there is there is not just you in the relationship. There's you, your partner, and and your son. So it's an education for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our podcast episode but there's still like a couple of questions that I want to ask you and I just want to pick up on um a couple of the questions that I asked you to submit about you know being a mum and so on but first of all what three things would you like our listeners to take away from this conversation oh I mean it's like life advice what to what to tell people I mean just be yourself and I know that sounds really trite but really get to know yourself intimately like heal any hurts that you're carrying from your past the big ones the little ones right follow your truth you only get one go you get one life right and it's finite follow your heart's desires go after the fulfillment go after the happiness and the contentment um yeah I just think that's that's got to be the ultimate thing um yeah to just be yourself and believe in yourself, you know, being part of that, like really feel worthy of love, money, the good things, follow your purpose, whatever that is, um, and really seek that joy and contentment over any kind of attainment of material things or success or finances or anything like that. You know, it's it's got to be, it's an inner journey, isn't it? Of, of mm. Yeah, what can you do? And be kind to yourself. And that's you know the biggest thing is challenge that inner critical voice because you get to choose what you think um so be your own best friend you know be as kind to yourself as you are to everyone else because we're generally our own worst enemy um uh but yeah you know be kind have fun have fun up there like you're the you're the only one that's in your own head so <laughs> it's like you get to choose and before i ask you how our listeners can connect with you. I just want to read out your statement about the best thing about being a mum because I love it and I would so agree with you. 
is the immense love I feel in my heart and the impromptu cuddles, kisses and displays of love for him. And you, I mean, you can't take anything away from when your child just randomly for no reason comes and gives you a cuddle and it's not followed by, can I have a snack or whatever? It's just, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. It is amazing. He said to me the other day, he was just playing, he was just sort of meter away, he was just playing away and he went, mommy, I love you. And then he just carried on playing and it was like, and I was just, I was just like, it was like the first time he's, you know, he's just sort of said that other than sort of maybe saying it back maybe once. And he was like, I love you, mommy. And I was like, I was like, I love you too. And I wanted to like really kind of, you know, jump on him. And I didn't, I just was like, okay, thanks. I love you too. And I just sort of like let it in rather than, yeah, I don't know. It was, and it is just words, but they, and they copy, don't they? You know, everything he does, we can see it's just been modeled by us intentionally or not. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, that's, you know, if he's got a, uh, a soft toy who's feeling sad you know and I'm like oh what does he need then oh, he needs a cuddle and he's like oh give it a cuddle and it's like oh thank you for just yeah yeah mirroring Aww. you can you can see how they're influenced by how we behave it's like yeah. our children are like mirrors yeah absolutely so to end it please i know our listeners have been listening and be thinking she's amazing i need to connect with hills make it easy for them how do they do it oh yeah come and connect with me um i'm mostly on linkedin you'll find me everywhere as hills crisp um and it's quite a unique name so there's not very many of us uh, i think none of us in fact um i have a website which is hillscrisp.com so yeah as i said i'm a i'm, well, I'm a business coach um, and yeah, so if you are a coach or a health and wellness practitioner, healer, anything like that, you want to help with strategy, up-leveling, marketing, um, yeah, come and have a look at me. Or if you've got a community of business women, um, I would yeah, love to be invited to be on a podcast or guest expert, anything like that. Um, but yeah, just come and, come and connect with me. Thank you, Hill, for being our guest today. Um, thank you, everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of What The Mum. If you enjoyed it, I've just got a little favour to ask you. Go ahead and tell all your mum friends so that more mums can share their stories of motherhood. And also, don't forget to subscribe and come and connect with me. Take care, everyone, and see you at the next episode. Thank you.